Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. Today's episode features Father James Claver sharing about his thesis on the complementarity of vocations. To learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Hi, and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I'm Edward Lugo, the project manager for the Servants of Christ Jesus, and today I am blessed to again have Father James Claver sitting here with me as we talk about your seminary thesis on, do you want to say what your seminary thesis is on? Sure. The full title is The Necessary Complementarity of Vocations of Marriage in Virginia. Beautiful. (laughs) All right. Welcome back, Father James. Thanks. Thanks. So, prior to discussing what this has to do with your guys' community, can you just explain what exactly complementarity of vocations is? What does it mean? You know, can you just give me kind of a brief overview of what you mean by this? Yeah. So I uh, I remember years ago reading in Theology of the Body by Pope John Paul II. He taught, he has a section in that where he explains what marriage is. And then he also has another section where he explains what uh, the call to virginity or, or consecrated uh, chastity is. And he basically has another, a third section to kind of illustrating these two vocations are different and yet they complement one another. And so um, I, that always fascinated me. It always fascinated me l- looking at families and saying, um, they're, they're physical fathers and they're physical mothers and I'm called to be a spiritual father and, and nuns are called to be spiritual mothers. And realizing like there is a relationship between the spiritual and the physical, and just how is it that these relate to one another? And realizing in my own uh, life the gift that it is to be around families um, that we know, and how much life and joy and energy they bring to us as religious. Even though our lives are very different, there are so many similarities, and there are so many ways that we influence one another. And just realizing that and and uh, loving that so much, and uh, it just kind of came up from uh, my own reading and and thinking of like, man, I want to study this more. I want I would love to write a paper on this. Um, and I can honestly say this is the most enjoyable paper I've ever written. It's I actually would say the only enjoyable paper <laughs> I have ever written. Really? Yes. <laughs> I can't stand writing papers, but this one this one was awesome. It was oh, great. It's great. So. Can you start for, I mean, I assume most people know about the different vocations, but sure. can you start by just explaining in the Catholic worldview yeah. what different vocations are? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting as I research this of what is it that different uh, thinkers kind of say about this. Um, I'll use an example from Father Julian Karen, who is uh, a member of Liberation Community Liberation uh, Father Luigi Giassani, his kind of movement in the church. Um, he was one of the priests in this, and he says, he kind of talks about these two vocations that are basically in the church of you have marriage, people that are called to marry and to be physical fathers and physical mothers, and you have uh, religious that are called to be spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers, and that there's an interplay between them. And what he says is that um, marriage is this sense of the will of God becomes mediated to me through another person. That here is someone alongside me that I have to share and journey with in completing the will of God for me and in sharing our lives together as we journey towards God. And he even says, um, 
one's spouse becomes a vehicle that God can communicate himself to me through this other person. You even see that like at a, at a mass, at a wedding mass, where the couple, by and large, the whole mass is faced towards the altar and they're together facing in the same direction, which I think is really beautiful to think about. And what he says then in explaining marriage is that celibacy or virginity, and I use these terms almost in the same sense to talk about whether it's a priest or a nun or a consecrated virgin uh, or a religious brother, just kind of lumping them all together to say, this is the vocation to say that God's will comes to me unmediated. In other words, directly, not necessarily through another person like marriage, but directly. Mm-hmm. And that in that sense, these two vocations are, are very different and that one is devoted directly to God and in service to God and in, in focusing on God. Um, and then the other is obviously through this other person, but that at their core, vocations are the same. These are gifts or charisms that are given to the church for the upbuilding of the church. Mm. And to say that every marriage is given to the church to upbuild the church, every uh, religious vocation, priesthood, and religious life, etc., is given to the church to build up the church. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the overall view of that. And I'm glad you said that because it's easy to see like, okay, well, the religious life and celibacy and virginity is directed towards God. Yeah. Whereas in the in the married life, that's directed towards another person. But and I loved what you said about the wedding mass because it's really both are directed towards God. Uh, it, it, one is one is with another person through right. another person, and one is not. And so I love how you just kind of simplified that and made it very clear and uh, simple. So thank you. So you wrote your your thesis in two thousand and. 15, 15. okay. And, and how did you compose it? Did you interview people? Did you, yeah. I mean, obviously you read books, but how, how, yeah, how did you compose it? Yeah, so I had a, a thesis advisor. Um, I basically, it was one of the professors at the seminary, Dr. Joel Barstad, who is now Father Joel Barstad. He is a uh, married Byzantine priest. Hmm. And who uh, was not married at the, or no, he was married. He was not a priest at the time. Yeah. And basically, I just sat with him. I was like, this is what I want to write about. I read this section of Theology of the Body. I find this fascinating. I'd read, the, uh, I'd read another book by uh, Father Ranero Cantalamesa. And he kind of pointed me in a direction of different theologians in the history of the church, even an Orthodox uh, theologian, and had me read some sources. And then he also just kind of recommended, he's like, you know, if I were you, I would interview people. And I was like, what? I can do that? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> Like, this is a, an academic paper. I didn't realize I could do this. But he recommended that I do that, and I... That, so that's what I did. I, I set up some meetings with different people in different states of life that just kind of talk about this this uh, this issue. So I uh, interviewed uh, Monsignor Ken Leone, who is a priest that's been in this archdiocese for years and years and years, and he's famous for just being involved in families' lives. Mm-hmm. He shared with me how... He would go around to 3,000 different houses in the course of years. Wow. He would basically, like, mo- he said that most families would not even think of the idea of, like, having the priest or the pastor over for dinner. Hmm. And so he would see people after Mass and just one by one be like, I've seen you a couple of weeks. I want to come over to your house for dinner with your family. <laughs> That's cool. And over the course of his years at a parish, we get to know parishioners in that way of just inviting himself over for dinner. 
and he was beloved because of that, because they they knew their pastor personally. And, and so just he, he said, he had this quote of saying, I had intimacy with Jesus in my holy hour in the morning and an intimacy with my parishioners hmm. in the evening. Wow. And there's something just beautiful about that. Yeah. You see that. So I interviewed him, uh, Father Doug Grandin, who is a, uh, a priest who is a married priest because he converted from Episcopalianism uh, to Catholicism and was allowed to be ordained a Catholic priest, so he has a family. Uh, I interviewed um, Sister Maria Chaley with the Nashville Dominicans, Joe Gravel and Ginny Eubing, who are both friends of ours that are married and have families, and as well, Father Giovanni Capucci, who is a member of the Neo-Catechumenal Way. They have a unique way that they kind of live out um, their uh, relatedness between these two vacations. Mm-hmm. So, handful of people, and it was, it was a joy. It was so much fun. It was great. And uh, and what did you find? What's the main thing that you took away in terms of how? Voc- I mean, I'm sure you could talk forever yeah. about this, but about how these different vocations complement one another in the church. Yeah, I think that I found was that they need the support of one another, mm. and that they, at their best, they receive support from one another. In talking to uh, Joe Gravel and Ginny Eubing the way that they praised priests and religious in their lives and the benefit that they offered them, um, it, w- it was amazing to me to, s- to see how much they receive from the example of religious and, and, and priests and so forth. And at the same time of how much I need their influence as well and how much I receive from them. Um, as well as just seeing the, the example of um, Monsignor Ken Leona that I just talked about of his the way that he made himself available to so many different people was it, and was able to be such an influence and is so loved because of that. So, And I think more and more in our modern context, realizing it's enlightening to me how difficult it is to raise a Catholic family hmm. in today's world and how much they need individual and personal support in doing that. Hmm. That as uh, Jenny Eubing said, you know, the large family with more than three kids is the new Catholic caller. Like it is the, the, like the, it stands out in the world and everybody comments and it's really hard every time you go to the grocery store and you bring your five, six kids with you, everyone will comment and everyone has something to say and you just have to get used to that. So as she talked about, it's really encouraging when I see another priest or religious that's out in public that also deals with getting comments all the time hmm. and just being able to have that that gift of someone saying you're doing a good job even though it's hard i think that most of us can understand how a priest complements the vocation of a family you mm-hmm. know because priests are set apart their yeah. their lives are exclusively devoted towards towards the lord and so as a family, I can see how that supports my upbringing of my kids. But how does the opposite work for mm. priests? How are you as a priest uplifted and inspired and brought closer to the Lord through families other than just their kind of awareness? I guess specifically, what do you, how do you grow in holiness as a priest through your relationship with these families? A great question. Um, I think it is the... If I could say, uh, people that are married, I think, can often get caught up in the things of the world 
a lot because of the necessity of I have things to take care of and I'm raising a family and it's nitty gritty details and lots of work and you kind of lose perspective of the eternal where is God in the midst of all this and um, that's where the priest can come in and just kind of offer some help some some insight into that Mm -hmm. I think priests need to be reminded of how difficult that is Mm -hmm. and how they need to make themselves as available as they can to aid in that Father Cantal Mesa in his book on virginity writes about this, that uh, as much as kids need their parents and turn to them constantly, is it was a reminder to him of, I have spiritual children that look to me, and I need to make myself as available to them as their parents are to their own kids. Hmm. You know, that, that sense of like waking up in the middle of the night to take care of them. Am I as generous with my flock hmm. as they are? And that being kind of a, a, a witness to them. Because I think it, it could be easy for us to, as priests and religious, sometimes orchestrate our lives to be distant. Yeah. Just as I think it could be easy as parents to say, "Yeah, we're just going to do microwave dinners tonight and I'm going to entertain them by TV. Yeah. And I don't really need to be present to them. I think it's easy for a religious to do the same thing. Yeah. Of like, I don't really need to be as, I can go, say mass, distance myself, um, but not really be helping souls as much as I could. Yeah. Yeah, and it made me realize too that kids need need their parents. And as a father, it also made me realize like part of my fatherhood, I need my children in a different yes. sense, you know. And I need them to not only make me a better person through my self-sacrifice, but I just need I need my relationship with them. I need my interactions with them in order to to be a, a father to right. them. I mean, it's easy to kind of see the correlation of a priest, you know, a priest really needs his spiritual children in order to fulfill his fatherhood. Yes, exactly. So there's a verse in scripture that I want to talk about. Yes. But before we talk about that, I want to step back to why we're talking about this in relation to the servants of Christ Jesus. Because it's great that you wrote this thesis about this, but this is a podcast about the servants of Christ Jesus, <laughs> not about Father James's academic pursuits. So what I want to ask you about specifically is the servants and, and your guys' community and the complementarity of vocations that you guys live out with other families. Yeah. Uh, because you guys live out this complementarity together as a community in a really unique way. Brother Andrew recently, we were eating lunch and he had remarked about how he'd never seen a religious community that has so many close connections and friendships with families. Yeah. And so I have two questions. The first is, how did this come about, and yeah. how has, how is, specifically, how has it benefited your priesthood at, you know, within your community? Yeah, so I would say that it kind of first started when the community moved to Denver in 2006. There were lots of families that we knew or were starting basically through Steubenville, that that was the connection of Father John and Father Paul had graduated from there. And the years that Father John had been there, he'd known a number of people who moved to Denver. Um, connections start happening, get-togethers and things. They start, friends of, of ours started getting married and having kids. And uh, I would say specifically through, through Patriarch that uh, Father John was asked to kind of lead some Bible studies uh, for some men that were wanting some regular um, commitment to each other in prayer and so forth. And from that, just kind of these families started growing and having 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven <laughs> kids. And from that, we've uh, we've kind of developed a, a sense of it, such that it became a regular thing of, hey, let's have so-and-so over for dinner and they'll bring all their kids and we would host them for dinners. And that's become a regular thing. Then in the past couple of years, we started Tuesday nights or family nights mm-hmm. where we host a family over. Um, between that and other events where we've regularly gotten together with, with families, whether it's feast days on November 1st or March 25th or various get-togethers, it has become a part of us that I would say that um, we, get to, we get to share, in a sense, our lives with other people and journey along with them. And it's just a great gift of realizing the beauty that families are in really trying to live authentic Catholic lives uh, and image Christ in the church and, you know, in the relationship between husband and wife, Um, as well as uh, just the gift that as a religious, my life is is devoted to God and it is seeking God. Um, But my life is not about me. My vocation is not about me. Just as I would say, Ed, your fatherhood and your vocation is not about you. Mm. You have to continually pour yourself out and it's for the sake of others. And so, uh, I, you know, I just remember my ordination realizing like everyone is, is calling me father and calling me father for the first time. Mm. And that's really what I am. And that how much joy comes in me being able to share my life with others and then being able to share their lives with me, even though our lives are very different. Yeah. If I can say like that's, that has been such a life and a gift of realizing like when I talk with Andrew Barja He's going through very different struggles than me, but some on some level they're they're similar to what yep. it is that I've gone through. Mm-hmm. And even though our lives are incredibly different, of him as a father of six and a working man providing for his family, man, I I can relate to him in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't have a family, I don't have kids, I don't have a wife. There are so many correlations between that. Now, do you think the closeness to other families has has like strengthened your community because you know as a religious i could see i could see this fear of okay we're a religious community men we have men in our community who haven't taken perpetual vows right right. if we spend all this time with other families they're going to see other families and be attracted to that lifestyle and not want to be Mm -hmm. members of of the servants but i could also see how like you don't want to distance yourself from something So I guess, how do you guys balance that out, that, that real practical balance of, of interacting with other families while remaining yeah, true to your guys' vocations? Yeah, I, that's a great question, uh, and it's not a, an easy one to answer, and I think at, at different times we have to discern that. Um, it's a different thing, too, because um, we all are in different stages of our religious life in that the priests are already formed, have already gone through formation, you have the seminarians that are in another stage of formation of temporary vows, and then you have uh, a novice that is in a very different stage of formation. So it's kind of figuring out what would be good for that particular person in that stage of life, and then being able to say, okay, what is good for us as a whole, and trying to balance those things. Um, And so I, I guess I would just say, you know, for the priests, we probably are more available to families than uh, the seminarians and less so with novices. But at the same time, we're not going to hide the reality of what marriage is and how beautiful it is and how awesome it is. And at the same time, like we can go and hang out with the family 
and we can f- play with the kids. And one of the greatest things as well is like handing the baby back <laughs> and saying, you know, this has been awesome. This has been joyful. And this is not yeah. my life. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's okay. And not in a bad sense at all. I mean, there, there are amazing blessings about uh, being a father and being a mother. But at the same time, it's, it's challenging. Yeah. Just as we could say the same about being a priest or a brother. Okay, let's get back to your thesis. So, and this might relate to the scripture passage I want to talk about in Corinthians, but what are some of the dangers that you've noticed that different vocations are prone to falling into? Yeah, I I touched on this a little bit, but basically you could look at today in our world of um, all the problems that marriage that everyone already knows about, the very high divorce rate and cohabitation before marriage contraception, widespread use, all of those things that are serious detriments to the sacramental reality of what marriage is supposed to be. But I think even beyond that of just looking and saying, it is really hard for sometimes married couples to find God and remain focused on God and to honestly say that they're seeking to grow in holiness and not just kind of like live or get by or survive. Yeah. I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And on the flip side, it is easy for priests to to and and religious to either fall into a isolation uh, or being alone or being so devoted to God that they forget about the world and they forget about some of their duties and obligations and being present to people. That there's the other extreme where. Yeah, they also can, it can be a struggle to, to stay faithful um, to one's vocation. And so the reality of marriage is you have someone that kind of calls you out, your wife, your mm-hmm. spouse that is constantly uh, in your face in some level, yeah. confronting you. A priest or religious may or may not have that. Mm-hmm. And that thing, that reality of I, I could set up my life and be very selfish yeah. with how I live and be very isolated in how I live. And uh, that reality of, I need the reminder of, of what marriage shows me, of one, of I have to be constantly directed to my spouse, that I, I am, my life is not about me, it is about the Lord, and I have to be directed to that primary vocation first and foremost, and then secondly, to, to be fruitful, multiply, and that in a spiritual sense. So, we have to talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Yes. Um. <laughs> Now, I don't know if I should read this all or if I should summarize it. What do you think? Maybe I'll hit some highlights. Great. Okay, so these are the words of St. Paul to the church of Corinth, starting at verse 25. Now, concerning the unmarried, I have no command of the Lord, but I give my opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. So I guess it's good that he starts off by saying, I don't have a command of the Lord yet at the same time, this is sacred scripture inspired by God. So I don't know how we square those two things. But anyways, I think that in view of the impending distress, it is well for a person to remain as he is. What does that mean? Impending distress. Do you know what he's talking yeah, about? Yeah. So he's basically, he's writing from the perspective. He's expecting the world to end soon. That's kind of mm-hmm. his backdrop. Like there's this urgency. Yeah. Um, but it also, I, I mean, I, I think we can take that in impending distress in every age we have an impending dis- distress. Yeah. Right now it's COVID. <laughs> yeah. In a few months, it'll be something else. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so then he continues, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Okay, that makes sense. Are you free from a wife? 
do not seek marriage. So this is where it gets a little more confusing. And I, I can understand if you're bound to a wife, you can't just, you know, seek to divorce her. But if you are not, if you do not have a wife, do not seek marriage or his, or his words. But if you marry, you do not sin. And if a girl marries, she does not sin. So he's very clear that marriage is not a sin. But then mm-hmm. he says, yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. Now, can you kind of start there? Yeah. I, I will say this. I, I think he is Ill, he's talking about here, there is a, and, and the church has taken from this passage, this understanding that there is a real sense that the call to virginity or celibacy is superior mm-hmm. to marriage. That doesn't make me better than you because I'm a priest and you're not. Ed. It, it makes it a matter of this is a higher calling because it is more devoted to God. And he explains that in the rest of this passage later on. But he's basically saying, if you're free from a wife right now, there's a goodness there. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't, he probably explains this very differently than we would today. I, I think we would say today, you know, hey, if you're not married yet, if you don't have your vocation, really be open to the call of celibacy or virginity because mm-hmm. it is good yeah. and it's worth pursuing and it's worth being open to. Now, he doesn't say it like that because 2,000 <laughs> years ago, they just have a different directness <laughs> that they can say like, hey, those who marry have worldly troubles and I want to spare you that. There, there is truth to that. Mm-hmm. It's not saying it's worse. It's just saying like it is really hard to be focused on the Lord and keep your call in marriage. Mm-hmm. So, do you know? I mean, at the time of Saint Paul, was was celibacy in Judaism? I mean, was that a thing? Yeah, not really. You have some of the Essenes that are doing this, who, of course, it's believed that John the Baptist comes from that Essene tradition of remaining celibate. But, I mean, if you think about this, the call to celibacy is a uniquely Christian thing that comes in in this time. You might have I- isolated incidents in Judaism. There are examples of Jeremiah the prophet or... Uh, Elijah doesn't appear to be married, different things, but that's an anomaly, and it's not really the norm. And I would even say the same is true of in the Roman Empire. You don't really have many men and women living as celibates for the whole of their life. It is a uniquely Christian thing, and I think that's an important backdrop. When Paul is speaking here, people know that marriage is the normal thing to do. It is what, by and large, people will participate in. And Paul is coming along saying something new of, like, there is another Christian vocation that is here, that of remaining devoted to the Lord and not marrying for the sake of remaining devoted to him and service to the church, that I want to explain to you. And so I would say that he is really clear in his words that he doesn't denigrate marriage. If he wanted to, just as Jesus um, you know, raises the bar in marriage to make it indissoluble, to mean that uh, you can't get his divorce as readily as, as Judaism might might teach. He raises the bar on that. If Jesus wanted to, or if St. Paul wanted to, they could denigrate marriage to say, yeah, it's awful and it's the worst thing, and everybody needs to be celibate. They could have done that, but they don't. They're very clear to say, and St. Paul is very clear to say, this is a higher calling, but it's not a sinful calling if you choose to be married. No, I mean, that totally makes sense. And I, you know, speaking as a married man who has young children, I can say that that my my attention, I mean, it really is, 
it's divided. And to be honest, it's divided all the time. I mean, right. last night, Sarah and I were trying to have a conversation at dinner. And <laughs> and honestly, we got like six minutes into the conversation. And we had talked about three sentences worth. Uh, right. And then finally, I said, you know, let's just let's just talk about this later. And, and it's not always going to be like that. But there will always be this this kind of divided attention, you know, and and there will always be this this immediate need there to be fulfilled by a child. And I can completely understand that there are times in my own life where, I mean, I've never had this question of, did I make the right decision about my right, vocation? Right. But there are times where I look at priests, I'm like, they get to <laughs> pray a holy hour every single day first thing when they wake up. The way I wake up is my kids like jump on me and right. say, Dad, I'm hungry, or Dad, I need you to change my diaper, or, you know. And so I, I can entirely understand that there is this, you know, St. Paul uses the word anxiety about things of the world, and I think it's an appropriate word. It's a strong word, and it's, I think in our modern sense, it has a negative connotation. But right. there is a certain anxiousness that that I experienced in my life that, uh, that you don't. At least, well, he says anxious for the things of the Lord, the affairs of the Lord and uh, how to please the Lord. And, you know, the married man is anxious about worldly affairs and how to please his wife and his interests are divided. And it makes sense. So thanks for breaking that open. Yeah. And just to say, too, this is kind of when I interviewed Jokerville, he said this, that a priest has a higher calling than I do. And that's okay. You know why it's okay? Because the higher calling of the priesthood, these are his words, is not mine to participate in directly, but as a part of the Christian community, I get to participate in the higher calling, in his yes, and reap the benefits of it. You know why? Because it's not about him. It's not about the priest himself. He, as the priest, has done this for the sake of the other. And it's not a, I'm better than you, but it's I'm living in this higher way to be able to share what it is that I have with you. Mm. And I think like in that respect, that makes this superiority make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Another analogy maybe is helpful. Two types of love that um, Pope Benedict talks about in Deus Caritas Est, Eros and Agape. Eros is this like romantic love between a man and a woman. It's very earthly, um, but it's very focused in kind of things of the world and relationship, love. The word erotic comes for that. It, but usually that means something uh, a lot more extreme than maybe what Eros is, is supposed to communicate. The other type of love you have is agape. Agape is the sacrificial love. This is often talked about of Jesus' love for the church. He lays down his life. Agape is the higher form of love, but Eros is also necessary. And Pope Benedict says what really is happening there is these two loves need each other hmm. to call each other out and to correct one another. If you have agape without Eros... Love becomes depersonalized and very superficial or misunderstood. If you have eros without agape, it becomes too earthly mindset and it becomes overly sexualized, if I can say, or mm -hmm. just focused on each other, too er turned in on each other. I think that's a really good analogy to see these two vocations, to say mm -hmm. um, agape is like the, the cult of virginity, that if it becomes too just focused on heaven it loses that reality of hmm. being we are living on this earth hmm. uh, and the same about eros of saying uh, marriage can be too turned in on each other that it loses that perspective of the divine 
that that's where we're headed. That's our ultimate home and destination. And that marriage becomes this pathway to that. And I, I think that analogy makes a lot of sense of these two loves. They need one each other, even though there is one that's higher than the other. Yeah, it makes total sense. I think that's it. Is there anything else that you want to add to your thesis? What grade did you get on it? Uh, I did well on it, but I'm going to be honest and say it doesn't matter. It, it was the most enjoyable paper I've, the only enjoyable paper I've written. Um, I, I could talk for hours about this. As you can see, I probably yeah, talked yeah. too much. And thank you, uh, you know, just as as a friend of your community for a long time, it's been really beautiful to see how your community has welcomed families and embraced families. And it's also beautiful to see how it's made you guys better priests because of it. Yeah. You know, and how it's made families stronger because of it. So thank you for your own commitment to that complementarity of vocation. And also thank you to the, the rest of your community for their embrace of families because it makes us stronger. So thanks be to God. I, I just say this too, that I, I don't think it's like, the servants of Christ Jesus have a monopoly on this, but yeah, yeah. I think any good priest, any good religious is living this out. Mm-hmm. There's no question to me that their lives are, and they know are not about them. Mm-hmm. And really all it is is just saying, wow, this is a gift. And thanks be to God that we have an ability to participate in it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining me and sharing about your thesis on the complementarity of vocations and how this complementarity is a blessing to your priesthood and to the servants of Christ Jesus. Next week on the podcast, Father John Ignatius will be joining me as he shares about the spiritual direction apostolate of the servants. That's it for today. As always, you can learn more about the servants of Christ Jesus, and you can find podcast episodes as well as homilies and talks from the servants at scjesus.org. Thanks, Ed. Oh, thank The best you. project manager we've <laughs> ever had. And the best podcast director you guys have ever had. True story. <laughs>